Hello and welcome to the first ever Disability Horizons TV episode where we're going to be talking about sex and disability and I've got three guests here I'm sure they're going to entertain us. And the first is Caroline Bathurst who is from Disability Horizons. You're our partnerships manager. That's, That's right. right. Yep. That's it. And then we've got a couple of faces that many of you are bound to recognise and hope you had never seen before, actually. One is the amazing Dan White, who I'm taking from their Twitter bios, writer, broadcaster, columnist, but we all know him as Kara and Emily's dad, really. And he's uh, the guy also, that's also, out there. Yeah. He's yeah, the guy also that's political annoyance. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. the man that speaks up for us, and uh, we're very grateful. And then we've got the amazing 80s throwback, or that's what I refer to him as. <laughs> Ah. The 80s threw up Mick Scarlett, who's a broadcaster, journalist, actor, musician, and you also train people on access and inclusion. Yes. And yes. I must I, say I, that... I've always said I'm a jack of all trades and a master of all of them, because I'm so wonderful. No, I'm... All of them. <laughs> and yeah, so... no, I, I, I have a very varied and interesting career, uh, I won't deny. Well, um, you've got to, just to try and get the work, haven't yes, you? Yes, that's it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, well, everyone I'm... goes, you do so many things. And it's like, well, yeah, because if I don't, I don't make a living. <laughs> yeah. So that's what people say to me. You do quite a lot. I said, yeah, the option otherwise is a cardboard box somewhere yeah. with a wheelchair parked outside. <laughs> and that's just not really viable. Yeah. But, and live from my cardboard box, we start to talk about <laughs> sex and disability because there is a massive stigma. In fact, one of the first things, I mean, I my disability... Uh, sort of slowly crept up on me and then smacked me in the face around about 12 years ago and I started using a wheelchair and my first thought was oh shit sex <laughs> and the night before my operation on my knees which I knew wasn't going to go well I, I opted for a, a style of sex shall we say that I knew I would probably never do again and haven't since and that was my big thing damn my sex life is over really it's funny because today marks today we are filming this on the 40th anniversary of me becoming a wheelchair user this that's morning, uncanny this morning today i woke up and said i don't feel very well my legs hurt but my mum made me go to school anyway <laughs> and by the evening i was in hospital with a spinal collapse that meant that was it goodbye walking and goodbye erections so um i also went through a period of saying right that's it sex is over for me and uh for about i mean i was only 15 so I, I hadn't done a lot of it beforehand um and i had about three years of really thinking that no one would want to have sex with me because i didn't have sex like i'd been taught in school um and then i learned that was not the case and haven't looked back um so yeah i, th I, mean, I think it's you have to look back you... sometimes to see who's there <laughs> <laughs> oh no the way i do it i can always see what's going on in the things i've been doing but anyway uh i mean i think that one of the things is is that it's we live in a society that says we're not sexual and so when it happens to you if it happens to you later in life you take that on board and if you grow up disabled you don't see yourself as sexy because you don't know many sexy disabled people you haven't seen any do you know what I mean? It doesn't talk about you in sex ed. So I think either way, whichever one you're part of, yeah, sex is something that really we don't get considered and it's something we have to spend a lot of time get, dealing with in our own heads or beds or wherever um, to get to a place where we're happy. Um, how we do that, I suppose, is what we're going to chat about next. <laughs> no, yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. Spot on that. We're, we're sold uh, falsehoods on, on what 
sex is everywhere, even from children, aren't we? It's, it's yeah. just even even you know, if I was at school, it was that it was that the joy of sex was the man with the beard and the woman, and they're both able-bodied, and you carry with that because you know at that point there, there was there was gay people didn't have sex. You know, in the seventies when I was doing sex education and stuff, I had disabled people didn't have sex. We've moved on, whereby now they will talk about uh, consenting, obviously, uh, uh, gay couples, LGBTQ couples, lesbian yeah. couples having sex, but they're still not talking about disabled people having sex. And and it just makes you wonder where the marker is ethically in society that that thanks to a cornucopia of, of age old stereotypes about what physical perfection is, which we're still getting rammed in our throats now across the telly twenty four seven. Mm. When's this? When's this? Uh, 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 when's this stereo, stereotypical nonsense actually going to end? And people are actually going to realise that it, do, it doesn't matter who or what you are, or how you communicate, or how you can get around. Everyone has, as a species, an endemic sexual feeling and wants to literally have sex. It's yeah, just, that, it's, just, it's, just it, it's programmed yeah. into us, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, it's primal. You, yeah. It's you're in a different position to the rest of us in the fact that you've got a young daughter who is growing up fast. And when you have that that chat, it's going to be very different for you as a parent mm. than for most of us with mm. able-bodied, you know, I mean, whatever that means, you know, children. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that conversation will come, but even from a personal point of view with, with the, the bipolar and, and even with my chronic body dysmorphia, both those things to a degree affect me in that situation i mean I, i've been subjected to god knows how many instances on television you see it in advertising now of the six-pack male buff and stuff like that. And, and that just that feeds into my psyche and makes me incredibly self-conscious to the point i will not even dare take a t-shirt off i will not even dare do it. i'll even avoid the mirror and that just feeds into my, my subconscious and it just makes me feel like a very low sexual being it's 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 just chronic across all aspects of disability whether it being hit, hidden or physical mm. I mean, Caroline, I mean, three guys here nattering yeah. on, but I mean... You noticed. <laughs> I'm the only female. Yeah. We, and can we, I just say, you've you're got fantastic hair. I love that hair. That's oh, thank beautiful. You. Yeah. Thank we you. had a good chat last week, actually, about this, me and Caroline, didn't we? About yeah. the sex toy industry catering for disabled people. Practically yeah. non-existent. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's nothing out there that says we can help disabled people have sex. No. I mean, without prying into Caroline's life, I mean, Caroline has trouble with reach, reaching areas. And this was a topic we discovered. There's no sex toys that allow a person, because vibrators, they're all very straight and everything. And it takes a, a degree of getting up and all the buttons are on the end of it. And how does somebody who struggles with a disability use something like that hmm. ironically I, I started my career when in 1989 filming a documentary for channel four called willing and able and it is available on youtube because i uploaded it uh, <laughs> where i interview a woman um uh, who had issues with reach and she was very proud of the fact that she had got someone to attach a vibrator to a piece of stick wood <laughs> and so she could pleasure herself with her own vibrator I, I was uh, one of my first interviews and I did say to her, are you sure that everybody in Saint, you don't mind everyone in Sainsbury's know that you've got a vibrator on a stick under the, under the bed? Uh, and later on, when Vic Reeves came out and said, what's on the end of your stick? Every time I heard it, all I could think yeah, of it. Yeah, was that image. But yeah. Yes, there are things we can't do, but there are things we can do. And I think that we don't anywhere near focus on that enough. And I think that what 
we end up almost being our own worst enemy in that we say, oh, disability and sex is really difficult. Everyone thinks it's a taboo. It's really bad. Which means that society just goes, oh, well, okay, then. We don't ever go, actually, no, rubbish. You know, disability and sex is great. Disabled people have great sex. You know, all the disabled people I know pretty much are married or in relationships. <laughs> so kind of, you know, we don't hear that story. We hear about, oh, God, it's so hard. We can't find this and this doesn't work and no one fancies us. And when we go on dating apps, no one wants to go out with us. And it's like, you know, of course they don't. We don't, we don't owe, people don't owe us sex. People don't owe us a relationship, you know. Um, and we have to admit that but then people don't owe other people it either it's not just disabled people you know it's, it's it's tough out there folks if you if you use dating apps as your means to get a date and to form relationships then of course you're going to be judged on your physical appearance it's not so i i always think that dating apps people go oh well, they, they're not accessible and people are horrible it's like it's not really the for us is it it's sort of it's a horrible hookup thing for non-disabled people to have really crap relationships and uh, <laughs> so maybe we need to kind of start celebrating the positive and then confront the negative and i think that that's why i do still do a lot of stuff about sex even though i am now very old and anyone young thinking about me having sex probably makes their toes girl um so because i think it's really important so that people like emily and the younger generation don't grow up with us sticking all of our negative crap on their yeah. experience. Because I, to be honest, I didn't have that. I grew up in a world where no one talked about disability and sex. So actually, I didn't see any reason why I wouldn't be able to have it, other yeah. than the fact I didn't function like everybody else. When I learned that that didn't matter, I never looked back. Yeah. You know, and I think that's it. I think almost we've become our own worst enemy sometimes. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you rewind back again, mentioning the 80s, to the 80s, when I was a teenager, before I met my wife, I now cringe at that person because young men are awful. Mm. And we do judge women. We mm. judge women. And I now look back and I am like, she was a really nice girl. And I, I judged her because mm. of maybe her figure, maybe because of like, a big bowl or something. Do you know what I mean? It's... Young men are awful, and young men, their only aim in sex is to put it in and come. You, they, they're very good at not caring about the woman's needs. Yeah. yeah. And I must say that my fear about losing my sex life has turned around, and yeah. where it caused me to slow down and rethink things is actually better than ever. Yeah. 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 It's actually giving you time to regress and look back, isn't it? And actually, but you you can't blame yourself for your attitude at that time because you live it and we still are living in a culture where women are are vilified in the press with body image for size and stuff we still <clears throat> have only just come out the year of pastry models we've still got lads mags all flossing around the pace we, we've still got that so until that is 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 gone and and women uh, the uh, you know women and the disabled community are in, are in charge of their own destinies and their own given the chance to show off and, and be more in front in publications until society gets its head out of its own backside and suddenly realises that, that bodies take all sizes, shapes, forms, colours, abilities and abilities, then that, this is just going to seep into another generation, unfortunately. We look at perfect people and go, they must be happy. It's not great being perfect. And if anything, that's another thing that we learn. You know, we aren't, we aren't perfect, so we don't have to care. So actually, it's sort of, you know, we can help, you know, I've been out with non-disabled partners most of my life. Um, my wife doesn't describe herself as disabled, but she has a massive scar all down one side of her body from a burn. And, you know, 
we have the most similar experience of what it's like to grow up thinking that no one would want to be with us because of our physical nature. And we're probably two of the most confident people you know, because we've never been in a position to try and judge ourselves against the perfect. I mean, I had bulimia and anorexia when I was a teenager because I was trying to regain control of a new body that I didn't like and, and keeping it thin. Yeah. Was, you know, and yeah. I, I, I got down to really scary thin at one point. Um, and it took a lot of time to get out of that. And it's always with you. I will always look in the mirror and see a body I don't like. I, I've, I've been disabled since birth. But backtracking slightly to what something was said earlier, I have only been a full-time wheelchair user for going on 16, 17 years now, but I walked with calipers. Mm. So I'm sure you guys must be old enough like me to remember Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah. yeah. Remember Aunt Sally? Yeah. 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 I was nicknamed Aunt Sally because that's how I walked. But the, 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 so that was very odd every time I saw my image like my reflection in a shop window or in a mirror if I wanted to try on some clothes because I was limited to what clothing I could wear because my calipers would prevent me from wearing trousers. I didn't wear short skirts, obviously. Um, calipers, do you know what calipers are? Yeah, yeah they were I, horrible I, years ago, weren't yeah. they? Really? Yeah. I, I wore one. I mean, I've been disabled all my life. It's just I became a wheelchair user at 15. I wore one from, like, that's how I learned to walk. I wore one on my right leg. So you know yourself that walking is is not the average walk. Um, So I was always called Aunt Sally. But when I became a full-time wheelchair user, I was with my husband. Um, We'd already been together, oh, quite a few years, 10 years maybe. And even then, it was a confidence knock on my sexuality. Was I still attractive to him? Because I now have all this metal around me. Being sat down all the time, I put on a heck of a lot of weight very quickly. Um, So all of that played a part Mm. in how I felt about myself and how I thought I would be perceived by my husband. And it took a lot of, uh, it took a lot of battling in myself because not only was I dealing with the fact I can no longer walk, but I've now lost my sexuality as I felt. That's not only disability related. I'm always having to tell my wife, She's four foot ten. She's got curves, the way I describe it. She's sexy, but she refuses to see it. Yeah. But And that's like you're saying, it's not just related, it's the whole society's input on us as to what you must look like. No, you're exactly right. And so I keep bringing it back to me, the stereotyping, but it's absolutely true. I mean, until, until it's accepted, but you still get every time. I mean... The, there are things like Heat magazine and stuff like that. The whole they just need to be binned. They just need to be put on a big pyre and just burnt to ashes because they're just so much of the problem. You see it, you walk past a, a supermarket shelf, like so celebrity uh, gains weight and, and all stuff like that, and yeah. all or, or, or lost their baby bump. Yeah, you think Jesus Saints Christ? I mean, is society really that shallow? Is the media really you, that shallow? Did any of you recently see on Twitter the great big? blow up of how a company had hired a model as their latest model and she had a 24 inch waist but was classed as their plus size model yes i saw that i thought what that was does that think people like myself who doesn't have a 24 inch waist i was mortified because i'm like what am i classed as then i must be classed as 
obesely, obesely, obese. You know, if there's what my doctor tells me. I genuinely think that disabled people have a role to teach society how to be happy in their bodies. And I think that we we can too easily go, I'm not like the perfect, so I can't be happy. And actually, it's it's actually, I can't be like the perfect. It's not possible. I'm never going to be. I'm not going to be standing up. I'm not going to be, you know, David Beckham in his underpants. It's just not going to happen. And that's not saying that that affects your confidence, but it's it's kind of, I think in the modeling industry, it's kind of accepted that you can be an amputee or have a bit missing, but the rest of you has got to be perfect. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, that's no good because lots of us have all the bits. They just look really different and they're all put together different. And that's still sexy. You know, my, my wife grew up thinking that no one would want her because one side of her body is all scarred. Since being with her, We've had like world famous makeup artists fly across the world to do her makeup because they wanted to make up her arm when she was modeling. Because one of the things is we forget our history, right? When I was a kids TV presenter, I used to get such filthy fan letters from mums. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't even Did begin you, to tell you. Kept, Absolutely you disgusting. Yeah, right? have you kept them? No, I have not. What good disgusting? <laughs> right? Oh, so some were good, some were scary. I had right. to get the police involved with a couple of stalkers. It was, it was a gamut, right? And none of them ever said, oh, you know, I would do all this stuff to you, but you're disabled. Um, and, you know, I was on the cover of magazines. and Do you know what I mean? And Di was modelling, Di did... And because it was pre-social media, pre-web, um, it's gone. And I yeah. think that, so now we've got this thing where kids are going, oh, there, aren't, there wasn't anyone in television, there wasn't anyone in music, there isn't anyone. And it's like, there used to be, be loads of people. But the record of us has disappeared. There, there's always been disabled pop stars, you know, um, Gene Vincent, Ian Jury, you know, yeah. we've, they've always been there. And there's always been lots of the kind of, other people in, in the industry, actors, loads of disabled actors that never really came out because it might ruin their career. We're yeah. seeing a flood now of people being more confident. But that's what we need. We need people to come out and say, I'm proud of who I am. And we need to do it too. Like I said, you know, when, when you meet people that are models, that are all sassaying around thinking they're, you know, acting like they're gorgeous, and then they come off and they just spend an hour picking their body to pieces because they don't think they're lovely, you realise that it's all rubbish and everyone fakes it. So they just fake it as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. absolutely. And that's what, you know, Caroline and you, you've been both talking about, that knock. Yeah. And I remember it. I remember waking up and thinking, right, that's it. Um, you know, all the things don't work now. I'm over. And I had to rebuild that confidence. But that, that's what I mean. It's us older generation. We should be helping the younger generation not go through that. We should be saying no. We but can society show... wants to fix us. I mean, look at what they oh, call that. it, the inspiration porn, where the guy at the oh, wedding God. where his mates help him to stand up for a photo. It's like, why does he feel the need to do that? Mm. Yeah, and everyone was put on an, oh, I'm not crying. You are. But it kind of, it does also impact on how society perceives us as sexual. I won't go into details, but I have had my fair share of male shallowness. Mm. Over the, especially in my teenagers, and yeah. like you were saying earlier, men can be very cruel. Mm. And I've been on the receiving end of that a couple of times, but hey ho, <laughs> you grow up and you grow and you learn to love yourself and get self confidence, mm. which is what all of us have done over the years. Yeah. Problem is, by exactly. the time you get the confidence, I turn around and I go, Yes, I'm confident. I want to tell everyone, <laughs> and I'm 53. <laughs> 
with grey hair and none of the kids want to listen to me because they're like, yeah. you seen that yeah. old disabled guy rattling on? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, that is, that is one of our major problems, is it is true. Uh, that Just when you really do reach that point where you think I am really happy with who I am and what I do and everything's great, suddenly you enter that new stage where you're now having grey sex, which is, of course, something that no one under the age of 30 even wants to consider happens. So the last thing you can do is get into a room full of people and say, hey, we're going to talk to you about sex and confidence. Like, oh, great, lost, can't imagine it. No, oh, pull my eyes out, rip my brains out. So, yeah, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, when the reviews took a turn and we got some sex toys in for review, my daughters were horrified. But I had that stigma. I mean, I, you know, sex toys for me, it was like, yeah, they're for women. They're vibrators. They're for women. They're not for men. And I had this whole thing to have good sex. It had to be penetrative sex. And then we reviewed a couple of sex toys, which made me realise, no, even on the work, because I've got the problem with fatigue and high pain. There was obviously, so my brain's still going, let's have sex. And my body's going, you are having a laugh. But my brain wins. Well, my wife wins often, but <laughs> it's now possible without, again, going into too many details that, no, it doesn't have to be penetrative sex where I've then got a three-day flare-up. It could yeah. be mutual with sex toys. Oh, absolutely. I th there's a myth about penetrative sex yeah. being yeah. the, the be-all and end-all. It's an absolute, absolute myth. I mean, you I find mean, that most most gay couples don't even indulge in penetrative yeah. sex. It's just uh, they do mutual things together for, you know, for, for pleasure. It's just, it's just the porn industry and stuff like that selling it as the big the big money shot, the big finish. It's just, it's just crap. Absolute to be honest, crap. I'm very lucky, you see, because as of 15, I said, bye-bye penetration. Uh, and so I had to learn how to have sex without it. Um, and... Uh, have you still got that tongue pierced? <laughs> no, I don't. I did, I, I'm not messing with my tongue. It's too bloody valuable, mate. <laughs> when everyone was getting their tongue pierced, everyone said, oh, make your tongue so big. Why don't you pierce it? And I was like... That's how he's got. Yes, by. I'm not mucking about with this. This is golden, I think, mate. This I is think my to be fair, gift. Yeah, I think to be fair, Mick, your mouth is never closed long enough. No, <laughs> <laughs> we live in a penetrative society, and when that was taken away from me, I had to go on a journey. And you know, I've talked about the fact that I was very lucky. It was the '80s. I hung around with a group of gay and uh, especially lesbian people who who basically taught me that sex is not what we're taught it is. It's something else, um, and. Then I went off and discovered that actually when you take away the penetrative function, <laughs> uh, the, the erectile function, uh, men start responding the way that women do. And we hear a lot about things like multiple orgasms and all that kind of stuff. Men can do that too. It's just that your bodies react differently when your erection goes down. You can't be touched because that's part of what it does. But when you don't have that function, you can be touched and it can go on for much longer. So without wanting to sound like the disabled sting, um, it, you know, it, it kind of brings a whole new. So so the idea that, you've, you know, everyone's going, oh, my God, I've lost it. Open. Oh, are you suffering from erectile dysfunction? Like it's like, have you just had all your arms and legs drop off? Yeah. It's like, no, actually, um, rather than spend money trying to find a way of doing it the way you did it before. How about spending just a couple of weeks having a go at it in a new way. The therapist will say to couples who are having these problems, no sex, no penetrative sex, yeah. mm. to try and fix that. You know, stop doing this because you're just shagging, basically. Yeah. Explore each other with... That's it, yeah. Option. That's it, exploration. And you'll find out more about each other than you ever would have done before. But the thing is, there are, you know, um, disabled and non-disabled couples that horrified the minute the word sex toys 
is brought into the conversation. They just go hiding. So I think we've got to break that barrier before we can move forward. Early on in my sexual experiences, I never even knew what a sex toy was. Um, it was literally only from when I met my husband, I and mean, we've been together quite a while now, you know, it was only with him that I experimented with sex toys or even knew what a sex toy was and even had the guts to even look online to purchase one. So, mm. you know, it, it, there are a lot of barriers, unfortunately, that I think we need to do our best to knock down. Since Ann Summers went on the high street, it's a little bit easier yes. to talked about. But again, Ann Summers is framed with all this perfect body yeah. Mm. As you go in, isn't it? Mm. And that whole thing of you look round in the high street before you go in and then you quickly. Oh, this is really this is really bizarre, though. It's really bizarre. You think we live in such a sexual society where sexual imagery is everywhere. Yeah. And, and apprehension is still a thing. Because you know, obviously I used to I'm quite well known for having frequented fetish clubs. And I went to those because it was the only place I went to where I was considered to be a sexual being before in normal casual clubs or in, in discos or whatever. I'd go out and boys would come up and hit on my partner and they'd just say, well, what are you with him for? You want to be with me because I'm a real man. He can't do what I can do and all this kind of stuff. I and mean, it happened every night. It was just disgusting. And yet I went to a fetish club and everyone went, well, we're here because it's a sexual place. <laughs> that person is here. So therefore they must be sexual. So I won't judge, you know, I, they must do something. Whatever they do, they must enjoy it. And yeah. it was a liberating thing. So it wasn't necessarily that I was there to, you know, hang off the rasters and have me bollocks now to a lump of wood i was there just because for the first time in my it life just happened and, yeah that, that was something that was, that was a side effect but it was kind of like um it was a place where i was accepted um without knowing anything about it and that i think has changed you you, you know sex people can talk more openly about sex it wasn't talked about when i was young um i think people are more sort of prepared to experiment i think younger people are a little bit more accepting we still have a body perfect thing but then there's still that there's a reaction to that with the body posi movement and i think the thing is what disabled people need to do is start positioning themselves more especially younger disabled people as voices of that i think one of the big problems that's happened with society is we've been told we have the right to sex and we don't no one does we have the right to be sexual and that's very different no one owes us sex right it's a mutual consensual thing it's not an oh you owe me it no that's the kind of thing that way dark dark thoughts lead yeah so remember that be sexual yourself enjoy yourself find a way of being happy with yourself and then go out and find someone that is happy with you or yeah. two people or a football team or whatever you're into we've always lived in a uh, uh, image obsessed society let's you know let's let's start championing i mean you know there's always i mean don't forget shannon murray was one of the first disabled models in the 90s. It's face of Mac, you know, all around the world, all over posters. You know, we can be sexy too. I grew up with punk, right? Caroline had calipers. I had calipers. Do you know what I did? I wore them on the outside of my trousers. I put um, handbag straps yeah. on them and turned them into bondage trousers, bond bondage things. Before bloody Mad Max came out with it. I'd have given my parents <laughs> a heart attack if I'd done that with my calipers. That's what punk rock was about. Exactly. Oh, I, I, Emily's completely going down that route now. She's really punk and everything. She's really steampunk and everything. And she's got my forewarned to bless her to do whatever she wants because now she's of that age whereby if a, a surgeon suggests cosmetic surgery, as they call it, to uh, legs and arms, you know, that's her decision to have. That's her mm. decision. How to do that. This is entirely up to her. If it's an emergency surgery, fair enough, she's got to have it. But 
stuff like that physicality stuff is up to her but she's very 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 confident because yeah, yeah. she has, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm not just saying this, but she has been brought up with a lot of good role models. You, for instance, who've shown her the confidence that there is in your physical self. And so what you don't realise is that what you've been doing, even though you, you probably don't feel it makes a lot of difference to her, it's made a great big difference because I can see her confidence soaring. So imagery and the stuff you talk about, I think I think characters, not, it's not me to call you a character, but you know what I mean, the individuals like yourself, individuals like yourself should really be at the forefront of this. Because you're uh, as well as as well as parents like myself, you're really, really trying to change people's attitudes. And for her, it's wonderful. Like I said, we, we let her just if she's indulging herself or whatever she wants, whatever hobby she wants to do, just go for it because this is her life. But she's also getting that other feedback from individuals like yourself, where she's feeling that confidence as you know, because you're mutually from a from mutually connected from a wheelchair perspective. So she's having, just lapping it up. Having wheeled through the self Bank Center. Um, behind Emily, <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anything like the force of nature she is. Well, she's lucky; she's got access to a role model like Mick through you. Yes, Young disabled people don't. I mean, you, we we joke as a family on EastEnders. We see if we can spot the wo- the token wheelchair person in every mm. episode. Mm. Oh, we, we do was- that. We do that just constantly throughout the telly. I, I did a thing yeah. the other day about I started in the morning, spot the disabled person on television. And I, and, and I think I just didn't even fill in one figure. Also, this myth of the people that are in pain, they get stronger and stronger, more resilient, whereas your nerves actually become more sensitive to pain yeah. over time. Yeah. That central nerve wind-up, and we could end up with silly things. I, I can't let the dog, even though she's about that big, walk on my lap. My grandkids, mm. they can just sort of like, at times, they can sit on my lap. Other times, they brush past me, and it's agony. My husband or my kids come near me and I've got a dog too. She's quite feisty. She jumps up and I'm literally screaming, get off, get off, you're hurting. I mean, you know, Jeff can just like touch my arm because he helps me get dressed in the mornings and he can touch my arm and I'll be like, ow. And he'll be like, but I didn't touch you. And this comes down to sex again, you know, our bodies, you know, no, I can't get on top and have sex anymore and do the movements because it doesn't move very well and also I end up in a lot of pain, but I can't yeah. have anybody on me either. Well, I sometimes choose to, cause I'm happy to be in pain for three days for it, but. Yeah. It's the cost benefit yeah. analysis. People, people yeah. don't understand that we are prepared to be in pain to do certain things to be, mm. I don't know, to take control. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a whole, the, the whole thing is, it's just a cornucopia of, of just mix up stuff. And it, like I said, for, for my, personal perspective with my my bipolar and my mm. body dysmorphia I, I like that I, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I kind of even bear when I'm in bed to look at my own self mm. it's, it's bizarre you know I, I, I even want to go when it's hot in the summer I cannot take my top off in bed I have to wear something to cover myself if, if I lay down and catch something or even look in the mirror and catch something that's off that's it for the rest of the day I, I'm just I'm just not going to eat I'm just going to go for a 10 mile run or whatever it is so it, it just seems that whether it's physical or where it's hidden, there's, there's just so much that society needs to be taught and embrace about it. The thing is, and, though, we could yeah. say we've got to teach society about it, but I think we also need to understand about ourselves. Hmm. It's like, I mean, like I said, I have exactly the same. You know, I've, I've always had body dysmorphia. I now, on purpose, wheel around the house naked whenever I can, and there's mirrors everywhere. Because if you see yourself enough, you start to go, actually, 
what am I worrying about? Yeah, sometimes you go, oh, bloody hell, and you think, oh, that's a bit disgusting. But then you think, hang on a minute, <laughs> compared to who? <laughs> I tried doing some YouTubing, and there were an odd moment where I'd go, oh, I don't actually look too bad there. I actually look human. And then the majority of the time, I was like, no, don't do that. So I've now gone to podcasting, or trying to, <laughs> because then I don't have to look at myself. It's when we, we, we see our own faults, don't we? Like that. I, well, look at this way. I've been a TV presenter now for 32, nearly 33 years. Uh, I don't ever watch myself back, ever. Because I never watch, that. I never I'll, watch I'll, anything I'm on. Pick either. myself to pieces. Do yeah, we like, don't watch you, Mick. Yeah, no, no, no you, you don't get a chance anymore, sadly. <laughs> I've got a YouTube comment saying I sound like what? a shit Jeremy Clarkson. That's brilliant. Do you know what? The Guardian called me wheelchair-bound boot boy. Oh, not wheelchair-bound again. Bound. We're suffering. We're bound. Wheelchair-bound boot boy. We're victims. We're inspirational. Anything else you want to put on there? Can you see the time when it actually gets better? Or is it just generations struggling, feeling comfortable with themselves, hopefully, and just repeating? I think people just, the right people need to be in the right places. I think we've got to stop this barrage of, of... Middle class old white men ruling a rooster rather than ruling a rooster over the media. I think I think it will get better, uh, and I think that um, it's got better in my lifetime. I think there are some elements that have got worse. I think we have become a more perfect uh, obsessed, you yeah. know, surgery, Photoshop, all that stuff has made it so that Instagram lifestyle has meant that people think that other people have better lives than they do yes. and have better bodies than they do. Um, but then. You know that if you buy into all that, then you buy into all that. It, you know, it, it, it's like watching pornography. If you think that's what sex is, then you're in trouble. What we need yeah. to be doing is saying this isn't sex. This is like the Avengers, right? You know, there aren't really green giant men that smash things up. You know, there's not really you know. Kind I haven't of watched thought. that porn film. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh dear. And yes. when I came out about being impotent before, I'd lied. And I'd done telly and I'd done, oh, yeah, everything works. Right, you know, yeah, yeah, orgasms, funk, I knew nothing about it. I mean, I'd done it since I was 15. Then all of a sudden I came out when I got together with my wife, she, we discussed it. She said, yeah, you want to be open about this. Let's be truthful. So I came out on a TV show and I talked about it. And after that, all my non-disabled mates came up to me and went, um, Mick, all quiet, like, you know, on the sly. You know, you're not working, you know, Mr. Floppy. What do you do? Because I'm having terrible problems. I can't get it up in a minute. And, and it was like, oh, for God's sake. So all my mates that, you know, two weeks earlier have been talking about pearl necklaces and God knows what. Yeah. They were in exactly the same boat that I was. Just that I got used to it and they thought it was something. Do you see what I mean? So they went, came to me and went, so what do I do? And that's what we can do. We can say, well, look, you know, you're worried about your body not being perfect. Get out of it. Look at us. Right. And we're okay with it. So come to us, learn from us. And I think if we can get that done, I think it will change overnight for everyone. I, I, you know, that's what inclusion is about, diversity, representation. It means that the world can learn from each other yeah. and we grow. And, and I think that's it. And I think, Mick's right, I think this generation are going to be the ones, thanks to the advent of communication through social media yeah. Yeah. and claiming back the language and claiming back their imagery. I think this Just is where it's all going to change. Just remember, we're the ones that taught them that sex and disability comes in why we need to shout so loudly yeah, about it yeah. and let yeah. people know we are no different 
we enjoy sex as much as the next person, maybe more so. Some of us, you know, I mean, Mm. some of us can't get enough of it. It's a case of, well, yes, I want to have sex. I enjoy sex and Mm. I'm not going to stop having sex. And if it does cause me pain, then I, on a case-by-case study, so to speak, you decide at the time, is it worth the pain? Hell yeah. And in a confident way, and I totally agree, Caroline, I think that that idea of saying... We do it. We we have our own way of doing it. If we do, we can do it like you do it too. It's not you know it's not necessarily all disabled people do it differently. Most don't. They do it just like everybody else. You know, and and that actually you know we can bring something new to the table. One of the things I I I remember learning was I associated with the fetish scene was the fact that there are quite a lot of people that associate pain with sex anyway. So actually, (laughs) so kind of there's people that pay good money to experience you know kind of something like the pain that we kind of have when we have sex anyway <laughs> disabled people may not some of them be getting the sex that they want not because of their disability but the fact that they're not out there finding the people that are right for them yeah we, we do tend to i think as a community we tend to blame it a lot on on being disabled without ever lo- expanding our view and thinking well yeah. is there more to this you know how do i dress what do i look like where do i go what things yeah. am i to do you know what, what am i expecting from other people you know, and it's kind of like I said, we're back to that thing of desert, you know, uh, demanding and, and deserving sex as a right. And it isn't. Sex isn't a right. Yeah. Being sexual, being considered a valid human being is, but not being sex because sex is something you, that is, is kind of almost given to you by someone else. You know, it's a consensual act, however many people are involved. I keep saying this because I think it's very important to accept the pan community. And I think that, you know, that whole thing is about that's what it's about. It's about saying that I want to be the best that I can be so that if I meet the right person, they see the best me. You know, the yeah. majority of society now goes, well, being gay is part of nature. Yeah. It's, it's just normal. That's it. Get on with it. Same goes for disability. Disability and, and having impairments and having bodies that are different is part of nature. So we are natural. And so we need to start saying about that. We need to push that front. It's not that we're broken and we're less. We're just part of the human tapestry. And so then we can say, and this is our normal. And each one of our normal is slightly different from the other normal because none of us are the same, but we all share being made to feel less, to feel excluded, to be pushed out, to say, I would like to find a vibrator on a stick, for example. I would like to be considered sexy. I would like to see myself on television in you know it's happening more and more but 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 sort of you know in not in a kind of thing about being disabled or yeah just part of life I mean, one of the things about the gay communities you still have you have gay characters in things now and then you have sort of gay stories like you know it's a sin Do you know what i mean and that was a fantastic program we need that too and we don't get that yet I don't yeah think, we need but, a story about yeah. disabled people out yeah. there just doing what people do normally I mean, to be honest, I think that's the next fight. And I think that's for the next generation. I think we've done our, I don't think we, we've got a fight around being older. The disability bit isn't the, isn't the case anymore. I know from my own experience that I don't get work now because I'm not disabled. It's not because I'm disabled, it's because I'm old. I posted, I can't remember who it was. There was someone on Graham Norton. Oh, um, the news presenter who was shot. Oh, uh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. It was you on know Graham who Norton. There was no sign of his wheelchair. They'd sat him down and moved his wheelchair away. I used to do, I used to jump out because I was thinking, I thought it was important. Like, say it was a sofa, I'd sit on it, yeah. but I'd always have my chair next to me. And I'd say to him, no, don't move it. 
because I want it, I, well, one, because if you're on a bloody panel show and they go, and so Frank Gardner, tell us about what it's like to be disabled. And he goes, well, I'm disabled. And everyone goes, who the hell is he? What, eh? You need the chair there to almost go, see, that's mine. This is why I'm here. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of them will just whiz it off because they, it, they think it makes the shot ugly. Because someone like myself and someone like Frank, we're the acceptable wheelchair type people in that our bodies aren't in any way that too much distance, unless you have a real old look and go, his legs are a bit thin. Do you know what I mean? But so it's quite hard. So we're talking about our lives and we're going in my wheelchair. And everyone's like, where's his chair? Chair or no chair, it is plainly obvious. Yep. I have a disability, um, which brings me to a story that I'm not sure I should share. But my hands are shaped a certain way, uh -huh. and a What's your address, Caroline? I say he's a gentleman, he probably <laughs> wasn't, but he commented on how they were perfectly shaped for a particular action. Mm. There you go. The first, the first toy for Disability Horizons Sex Toys Company is the Caroline hand. Have you moulding your hands? Vibrating you know, hand. You stumbled plastic. on something. I'm going to research that and see if I can have a mould made. Yeah. Yes, copyright. It. Copyright it. Copyright it. Yes, now. I copyright the Caroline yeah. hand. Caroline yeah. hand. <laughs> You're right. I've just been Caroline. Oh god. <laughs> it can come with an attachment. So that if you can't reach the bits, you stick it on a stick. I was and about it to can say, also come with another yeah. attachment to put a vibrator into it. So then you can attach the vibrator. So it's good for everybody. So oh, yeah. basically, <laughs> universal, unisex. And, you, and the great thing is you can try it out yourself and say, well, now I'm feeling really weird because now I'm pleasuring my myself hand. with a vibrator with my hand, in my hand, on a stick, in my hand. It'll be, and there you go, that is why the whole world needs to talk to us about sex. It's exactly. only we can come up with something that weird. So when Caroline's husband now comes in and says, give us a hand, we're all like, <laughs> uh, Well, wait till this goes out then, Caroline. <laughs> we'll start sharing it. Expect those knocks at the door. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> uh, only if they're knocking with the Caroline hand. Oh. <laughs> You've got a hand or a knob. On the door. <laughs> Yeah. And with that, with that, <laughs> thank you so much, guys. I'm going to go and cry and look at the edit. Yeah, no. Well, do you know what? One of the great things about having the floppy cocky, don't bloody matter how big it is, mate. And let's right, hope you okay. don't put that in. That, if that comes up at the end of the credits, I'm going to kill you. <laughs>